This podcast is sponsored by Enriched. Now, if you're a regular listener to the show, then you'll know that I'm not a big fan of Big Pharma. So I do everything I can to try and stay out of their sickness subscription system. And a key component in my daily arsenal is a dose of what I'm calling the White Basement Lion King Super Stack. First, chugga mushroom, known as the king of mushrooms for a reason. Its potent antioxidant, antiviral, immune-supporting properties make it the most studied medicinal mushroom on earth. And although there can be only one king, the king wears a mane, a lion's mane. Brain-boosting, neuron-sharpening, cognition-enhancing, lion's mane is the perfect partner for King Chaga and the second half of the Lion King Super Stack. For me, it's the perfect start to my day helping me to go hard and go home. Go to enriched.co, that's E-N-R-I-C-H-D.co, and use the discount code WHITEBASEMENTPOD to get a 10% discount site-wide. Start your day like a king. Go to Enriched and grab the Lion King Super Stack now. There is external pressures being placed on our leaders, and our leaders... They don't want to lose their job, so they're going to go along. And the people who are subordinate to the leaders are going to go along. Your doctor's going to go along because he's going to be struck off. Your nurses are going to go along because they're going to be struck off and they can't work. They need to feed their family, right? And I think it, it doesn't take a lot, of, a lot of effort to control people, right? And the, the problem is for people like you and I who, kind, who have that habit of asking, why are we doing this? We get ostracized because you're the weirdo. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the White Basement Podcast. Back in the studio today is Krishna Nath, uh, my super brain jujitsu bro. And um, yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm very excited about this conversation because. Uh, after we did the first episode uh, together, Chris sent me a message saying that I, I, I haven't read it for a while, but I think you said that there's some shenanigans going on with quantum computing, yeah, yeah, and that you you didn't think that you gave a a good enough account of why the Earth can't be flat, and I was like, right, that sounds exactly like a kind of conversation that I want to have. So, uh, Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me again. So, um, which one do you want to do first? Why don't we start with the flat earth stuff? Go on. Because I think it, it kind of leads quite nicely to the physics and then we can go down to quantum, Perfect. how quantum computing is going to affect us in the future. Perfect. Okay. Do you, do you want to, have you got something you want to kick so, off So, like, I think the last time, like, what happened was I came here to talk about, like, ancient technology and then you t started talking about the um, um, flat earth. Tried to derail you. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say, I, th I think I was more, like, s sideswiped. Um, and I was like, oh, crap, you know, what the hell? Like, I should have prepared about this. I should have known. Um, and I think, like, one of the things that I kind of took away from it is it's not that you're espoused to... A, to the flat earth theory but you you want proof that it's one or the other right that's what it is absolutely and i think a lot of the your arguments for it for someone who's probably not well versed in physics they make sense and they do make sense especially if you don't understand the physics of matter and 
I went home, I talked to my wife about it. She's like, she listened to the podcast and she's like, yeah, your your arguments are weak. Like, you know what your argument should be. Like, you should have talked about the physics of it. You shouldn't have tried and, like, she should have said, like, your arguments are weak. You, should, you need to go back. You need to talk to him about Flat Earth. Um, and you need to kind of explain the physics of how gravity works. Because one of the her takeaways was that, that like, the way you explain gravity and space vacuum, all of that, actually, there's there's a bit layer missing. And I think can I can I interject one yeah. tiny thing? Can we both agree that gravity is a theory, never been proven? It's theoretical. Okay, okay. I'm I'm, okay. I'm I'm willing to accept that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's let's take let's take the the let's take gravity as being a force that is there in the universe, right? How does it work? Now, most people think, oh, it's just it just sticks me to the floor. Right, that's what everyone's layman's approach of thinking of what gravity is. However, if you go to the planetary level and then to the um, to the star level, right? So take the sun, take the Earth, take the other planets. Gravity works in a in a way that's similar to a bowling ball that's being put on a cushion. Yeah. So what happens is it you have a center of gravity where the mass is probably at its greatest, concentrated, and it creates like a well, right? So what happens is the, the sun has a gravity well that keeps all of the planets in their um, circular uh, rotation, uh, 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 their orbit, right? But each individual planet has its own center of gravity and that creates a force that uh, applies to the uh, the sun. So effectively, planet Earth um, is imparting the same is imparting a force on the sun. The sun is imparting a force on the on on the planet. And effectively, what happens is there is a dance that's done with the common center of gravity, right? Obviously. The Earth is quite small compared to the Sun, so it's closer to the Sun. Whereas with Jupiter and the Sun, Jupiter actually does makes the Sun wobble. So if you look at how the Sun moves across, um, uh, how the Sun and the how Sun and Jupiter uh, go across each other, they kind of have a center of gravity that's a little bit away from the Sun. So the Sun is moving. And then Jupiter is moving, and they're effectively creating like a dance between the two, right? That's effective. That's what gravity does. But if you go out to a bigger scale, say, say for example, we go to a black hole scale, gravity becomes a well, right? It, the concentration of mass has created a well through the fabric of space. And I think that's the thing that people need to understand is that gravity is not, how we feel gravity, when you project it out to um, planetary bodies and to astronomical bodies, it becomes a totally different thing. However, it is still very weak in, in the grand scheme of things, right? And when we talk about gravity, we're talking about things falling, things circling, like centripetal, centri centrifugal forces. And that our, our interpretation of gravity is based on those facts, those things that we can observe, those things that we can me measure, rather than 
what we can observe in the observable universe, right? It's only now with um, the recent advances in technology where we've seen how uh, supermassive black holes work that our understanding of how gravity, for the force called gravity, works on a on an astronomical level. And I think that's the thing. It's, it's the way we should understand, we should teach our children what gravity, how gravity actually works is by taking a bowling ball, putting it on a big mattress, right? And we have different weight, weighted bowling balls and you'll see the depression in the, in the mat, in the mattress. And effectively, whatever the depression to the center of the bowling, bowling ball happens is, is what gravity is. That's what gravity looks like at the, at the, at the astronomical level. Mm. So, so my my yeah my my questions around that would be first, which I, I think I've, I've uh, touched on already. That this is all theoretical, so ca cannot yeah. be proven. Right? There's no proof of us going around the sun or the gravity of the sun or how big the sun is or how much the sun weighs. It's it's, it's theoretical calculation. Hey, let me let me yeah, do my yeah, bit and then because yeah. maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. As far as I'm aware at the moment, it, it's all theoretical. Um, the other the other things that I find difficult to understand in if we if we take that model is that um, as you said everything exerts some kind of gravitational mm. force if we if we use this um, heliocentric model so the sun has has a, a, a larger amount of gravity being heavier theoretically yeah. and bigger and the planets less so and moons around them less so. Yeah. And everything perfectly orbits in inverted commas year after year because different yeah. planets, different orbits, yeah. whatever years would be longer. But everything just works perfectly, better than any watch that's ever been built. It keeps time better than anything we can really build maybe outside of an atomic clock. That's the, not true. Well, but the... But, okay, we, You know, yeah. we, we have... Uh, 365 days, however many hours. It, maybe it changes by a minute yeah. or two because um, we have created potentially like an arbitrary time, like what's an hour, what's a minute, what's it? We, yeah. we just kind of said, well, we think this is a day. It doesn't quite work. That's why we have leap years and yeah. various bits and pieces. So there, there's, there's something which m maybe you, you would understand this better than I do called the three-body problem. So the three-body problem is that if you take uh, any computer model and you put in two bodies, so let's say the sun as we think mm. it weighs and size, etc., and the earth, and we put in the distances, the weights, etc., it will be able to um, build a model and show yeah. what's going to happen between those two things as long as you want it to run. Yeah. But as soon as you introduce a third one, doesn't really matter what it is. So another planet, a moon round us, something orbiting the sun, yep. the computer can't figure it out. Yep. So the three-body problem is says that when you've, when you've got three together, the maths can't understand how they affect each yep. other. We're talking about in our solar system, um, I don't know, maybe we're we talking about 30 Bodies? Or more than that. Way more than planets, that. Moons. Planets, moons, asteroids, okay. comets. Uh, yeah. So so we've got all of these things mm. and 
we go around the sun, the moon goes around the earth, yep. all the planets kind of pretty much stay yep. in the orbits that they're in, they pass in certain amounts of time, and nothing ever goes out of alignment. Yep. Maybe that's incorrect, but it doesn't make sense okay, to me. So, so it's it's kind of incorrect because what what you need to understand is that the the nature of the universe is to tend towards entropy, right? Mm -hmm. So effectively, we're going to go dark one day, mm -hmm. long time in the future, effectively. So, so just just uh, entropy for people that don't understand. So it to refresh okay. Me. So if we have a state of high energy, the tendency for this for the universe is that it should go to low energy or no energy. Right, so that's effectively the reason why we die, reason why stars stop shining. Th that that's what it is, right? So you have high levels of energy at one point in time, and slowly it will go down to nothing, or in some cases it will be like a matter of seconds, it will just dissipates the energy. So if we take that into account, right, the moon is going further away from the planet Earth, right, because Earth is no longer is the gravity that it can exert on the moon is getting weaker because the moon's own gravity is pushing away against Earth. Yeah? So what we can see is that if we go back, say, millions of years, you'll probably, if we were able to do that, we will be able to find that the moon was actually closer to the Earth. But we, but we can't. But we can't prove it, right? But we can, over the last hundred years, or I would say actually since... They went to the moon. Um, <laughs> I've got some stuff to yeah, ask you about yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> th they have there. They placed um, a couple of reflective mirrors on the surface of the moon. Not necessarily when Neil Armstrong did it. Later, later in the seventies, they probably did it. I'm, I'm not. I'm. I, we'll speculate that when we get to that question, right? Now, what you can do is every the scientists have lasers that they can fire at the moon and time the distance that it takes for the uh, reflection to come back. And over the last, say, 50 years, there has been a slight increase in the distance between those, um, those reflective disks and um, the point on the planet where they're taking their... Uh, do, do you know how, how what the increase it, is? From? It's a couple of centimeters, okay. right? So it is happening, right? And it's the same with every single planet. Because of the spin, the centripetal um, force, what's happening is the, the sun is trying its hardest to keep everything in, but the centrifugal force wants it to go off at a, at a, at a tangent, right? So what is happening is that the higher massed planets are slowly pulling the pulling itself away so jupiter saturn uranus neptune they're they're going to slowly go away and the distances are going to go um go further apart right but those planets also exert a small force on on us as well the rockier planets and what you will notice is we don't have 365 days we have three we have 365 and a quarter day that's why we get the leap here right the reason for that is because of the moon and the other other astrological objects that are import, imparting its force on us. It's not a perfect circle, right? It it kind of works more like a rugby ball, right? So the reason why we get like crazy winters, it's because we are at it are furthest away from from the sun, and then 
what will happen is as the as the sun the planet comes back round, we'll get closer, and effectively what is what what, what we are creating is a, a hot summer, right? And they have proved that this actually happens. Like you, ha if you take the cycles of the planet, you will find that as the as the Earth moves away from the um, the sun uh, to its like apogee and perigee, right? Um, you will find that the the um, the cycles of um, uh, in, inter, uh, the glaciations and the inter interglacial period, those things occur, and those are things that maybe like because that it's the level of complexity that most people probably find hard to understand that it's not a perfect circle it is a more 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 shaped like an oval right so this just just to interject um on on this oval thing this doesn't make sense at all i, I understand the the theory of there's other planets mm. and they so they they affect the orbit yeah. but what you're saying effectively if we if we put the leap day leap year aside yeah. you know just for the sake of easy understanding for 3 months the earth gets a bit further away from the sun. Yep. And then for the next three months, it gets a bit closer. Yeah. Then for the next three months, a bit further. And it's been yep. doing that for the last million years, yep. even though all of the other planets, a year for us, they're all in completely different positions. Yep. Some of them have done three yep. laps. Some of them have done a tenth of a lap, depending yep. on how far out they are. Yep. And yet, the explanation for perfectly three months out, three months back, three months out, three months back is there's some other planets which pull our orbit in a, in a different place. Because I, I would think, and again, may maybe I'm misunderstanding it, that if we're talking about centripetal... Centripetal is going... Pulls it in. No, centrifugal is going in. Centripetal, centrifugal yeah. force would be the, the sun's gravitational yeah. effect on Earth. Yeah. It's going to go around more or less in a circle. It's, it's not no, going to go out okay, and in, out so, and in, out and in. So the sun is not perfectly uh, uh, a sphere, right? Okay, okay, but it's a, the sun. As far as we understand, do we do we say it's a gas ball, burning it, sort yeah, of fusion? Yeah, it's, it's a plasma plasma ball. Right, right. But it's not it's not a ball shape. No, it's not a ball shape. Right. It will be more like a rugby ball. Right. Right. The the gravity where the mass is at the highest will be at the center. Right. right? Which means that even with the planet Earth the equator has higher dense more dense uh, material in it than at the poles so the it, the gravity and the set in the equator would be stronger on the human body and when i say stronger i'm talking about 0 0.011 meters per second right? right so if you go to go to like higher up to like you find if you look at the way the dispersion of materials in on the planet you find that there is more rock and more uh, material in the in in the uh, between the tr uh, the uh, tropics, tropics than there is up in up on the poles, right? That's a whole nother question, right? Okay, because we don't know because we're not allowed to go. Okay, okay, <laughs> we we'll come to that later. Yeah, okay, right? let's 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 take that later, right? So effectively, it's kind of squished in. It's squished at the top, and it's kind of sticking out a little bit in the bottom. So what's happening is that as it spins, the center is moving faster than the poles, right? That's kind of how it works. The equator. The equator. Yeah, right? of course. So what effectively happens is that shape is how what it will take, mm -hmm. right? So if you look at the sun, yes, the way we you know we picture it 
in in our you know in our books and our drawings is yeah the it's a perfect circle it's not mm -hmm. it, it is going to be squashed to the top it's going to be sticking out in the middle so equator is going to be sticking out a little bit more on the sun on the sun but so so if we just so i can understand if we say this uh, the sun is like a, a rugby ball actually yeah. would be more like um like a squashed football yeah right rather yeah. than a rugby ball yeah. and the the fat part would be that 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 axis that plane yeah. would be the plane around which everything is rotating yeah up to it's, a point up to a point but right? it, so it's still round it it's doesn't matter round. whether it's whether it's wider at the circumference than top to bottom it would only that this this thing of the the sort of elliptical orbit yeah. would only make sense if we were orbiting on a across a you know the thick part thin part thick part thin part if we were if we're going round the same plane yeah. as which the sun has got its thick yeah. bit and its thin bit, it doesn't affect us really how squashed or not squashed it is. It should still be a okay. circle. So let's take the concept of a circle, right? What is a circle? It is a uh, oval object where the radius is completely equal on every single direction. Yeah. Yeah. How do you draw a circle? Use a compass. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you try and draw a compass, if you take, if you look at how a compass works, right what you are actually doing is still rotating on if you go to the microscopic level you're still rotating in a small smaller circle at the point right right so if we have an imperfect circle and we project it out to the size of astronomical units so the distance between earth and the sun is one astronomical unit right so if we take that distance right which is i think is about 8 minutes at the speed of light right that that's that distance if you have even a tiny um uh, variance it will create a much bigger effect right and that's that's what is actually happening is that the the because the sun is not a perfect circle what is happening is that if you look at the planets up to uh neptune the reason why they're in an elliptical orbit is because of the sheer number of of the distance, right? Like when I was doing my A-levels, we did um, astrophysics as one of the modules. And the first, the first lesson that we had, our teacher, Mr. Charlie, he turned around and said, look, you're going to deal with numbers that do not make sense, right? There is no way a human brain can deal with the numbers that you're going to learn. But understand this, there are always going to be variances in any kind of science because we don't have perfect measurements. We can observe it, we can take measurements with what we have and effectively there will be a variance, right? So um, what, is, what he said is that when we take astronomical units and we take the distance between interstellar bodies, there is a variance and that variance could be maybe in some cases might be like hundreds of thousands of meters in other cases it'd be millions of meters right and that is the that is the fundamental problem with understanding astrophysics is there is a point where human technology cannot measure with enough accuracy that we can say okay this is one centimeter away right at that level, we have so much variance that a tiny, tiny little wobble with the sun suddenly means that we're going on a different orbit. And if you look at the way the sun orbits the center of the 
the our galaxy it happens with the same thing and if you um take a look at the picture uh, that they did of the super super black hole in the center of our um, galaxy it's not a perfect circle like don't get me wrong it is hazy as anything but it clearly shows that it is it is not it's a spherical object but it's not a perfect sphere yeah i mean i think um you know i i accept the the idea behind everything you're saying i think that the difficult thing with um with these kinds of um concepts is that again as maybe my understanding is is wrong but they are all theoretical we're not talking about things that you can actually measure we're talking about things that you can kind of theoretically say if the sun is this size and it's this distance and it would exert this gravitational yeah. force etc and one of the things which again maybe maybe you're you're probably you're more aware of this than i am that the the the, the more recent um changes to astrophysical mm. theory is that the universe is 93 percent dark matter mm -hmm. and dark matter again if i understand this correctly is stuff we can't sort of see and measure mm -hmm. but we yep. know it's there because otherwise the model doesn't work yeah so effectively you're saying like the 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 analogy is that you lend me a hundred quid and i give you back three pounds and tell you i'm going to give you back uh, 97 dark pounds yeah. you can't see them you okay. can't measure them you can't spend them yep. but they're there yeah and we say Oh yeah, okay, that makes sense, and I, and I think you know this, this, this on a conceptual level, and I think I you know it's, it, it depends on the way your your mind works, but I think it's it, common sense versus deep technical mm. mathematical mm. physics etc., which most people can't understand. Yeah, certainly I could sit for months and try and read the maths yeah. and i wouldn't have a clue yeah. how it works so obviously i would i would tend towards the 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 thing that i experience which yeah. is common sense yeah. what can i see what can i feel yeah. what can i measure and and just on the on the idea of the moon getting further away and yeah. etc so we have an eclipse mm -hmm. every so often yeah. and i think i'm right in saying that all eclipses repeat every 16 years something yeah, like that yeah, so yeah. They, they you know yeah. this day of the year that day of yeah. the year but the cycle just repeats yeah. perfectly over and over and over despite the it, moon it, is apparently it perfect, is though? does it occur in the same place at the same time it doesn't it the way way if you look at like but, but they've got to be they've got to they've got to appear the same got size up, in the right? sky they've got to line up right but they don't line up perfectly at the same place at the same time if you look at um we had an i remember 97 we had an eclipse in the uk right cornwall like tons of people in there since then we have not had a major eclipse we've had partial eclipses but we've never had a major eclipse right so our position of the earth because of the wobble of the earth so the precession of the earth and the precession of the sun and the precession of the moon if you take all of that into account you will see that there are enough variations that yes there will be a cycle where maybe every 16 years they will line up but they won't line up perfectly in relation in relative 
space-time to us, right? So where we are, it will line up with the Earth, and you can observe it from different parts of the Earth. Yeah, but it will never be at the same place at the same time. Yeah, but they've got to be, they've got to appear identically yeah. in size. Yeah, and so so again, we're talking about these massive numbers, which I yeah. I, I find difficult to understand. Yeah. I'm sure other people do, but we've we've got a, a situation then where the moon is getting a few centimeters mm. further away every 50 years. Yeah. And theoretically, that number should accelerate, right? Because the further it gets, the weaker our gravity is on it, yeah. so that it, it should get further away faster. It should, it should actually slow down. The further away it is, the, the spin is mm -hmm. getting longer and longer. No, I mean the, the distance from us... Yeah, is it, getting longer. But that should accelerate. Effectively, yeah. The further it gets, yeah. the weaker our gravity yeah, is yeah. on the moon, so yeah. the, it, it, get, it yeah. goes yeah, further yeah. and yeah. further yeah. out, right? Yeah. Like a corkscrew. Yeah. The sun is. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna completely butcher this. So if you know the correct number, tell me. But do do you know how much theoretically weight the sun is losing every second? No idea. A, have have a guess. I, what we're told. I think this is the right number. Think you. It'll be in like billions. Billions of kilograms of mass being ejected out. It's. I think the number is eighty-five million tons a second. Yeah, is is going. Yeah, and it still is the same size enough. Yeah, to line up with a moon which is moving yeah. and cause a perfect eclipse. Yeah. Okay. Right. So let's look at look. Let's look at what it's actually ejecting. Right. What what the mass that it's ejecting? If you look at what it's ejecting, is photons, mainly photons, and the photons are at such high energy that it imparts heat on the planet. Right? Photon, a weight of a photon is it's in nanograms. But it, it doesn't matter how much the photon. No, weighs. I know. It matters how but much if you think weight about, is ejected. Right. The weight ejected. If you think, if you go back. Um, if you look at what the calculated mass of the uh, uh, sun when it was when it first started, it was considerably heavier. It was considerably brighter. It was it had um, more of an effect on the planets when it was young, and our our sun is a is a main main sequence star, right? So it is a standard issue star. It's pretty much the most common star on the on the in the universe. There's nothing really special about it. It it has enough mass that it will go on for, um, I think it's like another, it's like a middle-aged star at the moment. It's got enough mass to go on for another 5 billion years. So the mass it had when it first started was much greater than what, so do, do 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 you know how how old they think it is? I think it was five billion years back. Roughly, yeah, five billion years back. Like yeah. So if if it's if it is um, about halfway roughly yeah. through its life cycle, yeah. it would be about half its original half its, size. Yeah, pretty much. So at, at double its original size and weight, yeah, we would still have been orbiting around it. We would have been. No, completely okay. crushed. No, no. Okay, what what you got to understand is that at, right the way the way the sun works is that it's smaller when it's younger. 
but denser. But denser. So more gravity. So more gravity. Can be can be the size of a pea. It's yeah. the density yeah, yeah. that causes the yeah. gravity, right? But Double the, the amount of density, yes. the, the amount of weight exactly. in a yeah. How we, much? How much? We would have been spinning a hell of a lot faster. We, our orbit would have been ridiculously fast. Yeah, but it's not. It's not about the orbit. It's about we get. We would have been on the the corkscrew getting pulled in. No, no, we wouldn't have. Right, because what you got to think of, like you got to remember a couple of fact, factors with with the 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 planet in, in the planets in the center. Right, mm -hmm. because they're rocky, their density is quite high. Right. Right. So when the sun is young, although it's de um, the what's happened is that the planets would have been created in such a way that they would have been bigger as well. Right. But because of the way the sun acts with the planet, they've got smaller. Right. That is what happened. So if you look at like protoplanets that are very close to the sun, they have atmospheres. But that atmosphere just gets bombarded and they get shredded to pieces, right? So if you take Mercury, when Mercury first formed, it would have been a hell of a lot more dense um, and had more mass because of all of the atmosphere it would have originally had. But because of its proximity to the sun, the sun has literally destroyed all of that uh, atmosphere. It's the same thing, like if we take what Elon's plan to go to, uh, to Mars, if you look at look at let's not go there right but <laughs> he's not going anywhere right so if you look at the atmosphere of uh, mars it's quite thin the reason for it is the composition of the materials in mars does not have a strong enough electromagnetic field that would have protected its atmosphere so the sun's rays have literally decimated the um, atmosphere and it's created a very thin atmosphere right we are like if we take into account all of the chances of this planet occurring we are very very unique because we are at the right position where we have just for, just far enough from the sun that life can exist the the materials of the planet have combined and created an electromagnetic force that is strong enough and I think what people don't realize is that the mag the electromagnetic force is one of the strongest forces on the planet. There are four four four, four universal uh, forces. There's the uh, electromagnetic um, force, which is magnetism. You've got gravity. You've got the strong uh, nuclear fo uh, nuclear force, which keeps nuclear nuclear nuclei of uh, atoms together. And you've got the weak uh, weak force, which is what keeps uh, which kind of slightly repels them as well. Right, so of those, the strongest two are the strong nuclear force by its simple by its name, and the second one is electromagnetic force. Right? Can can I, can I just ask you something? The the strong and the weak forces. Mm. Would I understand these also? You could call them buoyancy and density. I, I, yeah, layman terms. Yeah, that would that would be that would be a good analogy. So as, as far as I understand it, which you know it's a it's a complete little flip here, but. If if we look at a model where we're on a flat plane, yeah. If you have the electromagnetic force, mm. um, buoyancy and density, you don't need gravity for anything to work at all. You would need gravity to keep you in position. You would need something like if you have buoyancy and density. Buoyancy and density works 
with enough layers, right? But something needs to kind there needs to be another force that keeps everything in its place and keeps that it's I, I, the the way I would say it is like if we are if something is spinning, there is a natural tendency for things to go to the outer edges. Yeah. But we're not at the outer edges because we're not spinning. <laughs> we are spinning. Come on, like we we know we are spinning. Okay, hang on. So I, I, this I could just talk about only this for yeah. hours. But if if you don't mind, I want to park it yeah. because it's quite theoretical. Yeah, and we just we can kind of go back and right. forth and back and forth. Um, and so so what I what I wanted to to just ask you is um, so the, the heliocentric model, mm. the model which we which we are taught is yep. is what we are. Do you know the the sort of basic numbers of of how we're moving and how far away from things we are? Okay, roughly so off the top I, I, of my I wrote head, them no. Down, right? um, so, yeah. do you know the speed of the surface of the Earth? How fast it's moving at the equator? Uh, ten thousand is it? Ten thousand kilometers. It's a thousand. Thousand. Thousand and thirty miles an hour. Right. Do you know how fast um, we are orbiting the sun? This is a very interesting number. No, no. What is it? 66.6 thousand miles an hour. Yeah. So 66,600 yeah. miles an hour. 666, just a coincidence. Yeah. Apparently that's how fast we go yeah. around the sun. Uh, the sun is um, orbiting the Milky Way. Yep. Yeah. you know how fast? Uh, it takes about three or four billion years to go around, right? I don't know, but it's 514,500 miles an hour. Yeah. And then the Milky Way is moving through the universe yeah. at 1.34 million miles an hour. Yeah. Just for reference for people to think, so 1,000 miles an hour around the equator, 66,000 miles an hour around the sun in a different direction, yeah. 500,000 miles an hour the, the, around the galaxy, and then 1.3 million miles an hour through the universe. Yep. A bullet from a rifle goes 1,700 miles an hour. Yep. So we are doing orders of magnitude above that yep. in four different directions. Yep. We can't feel anything. We can't observe anything. Yep. The atmosphere stays on As, the yep. surface. Everything lines up every year, yep. every two years, 10 years, 100 years, whatever. We, we, we look at the, I mean, what you talked about last time, yep. right? We look at the temple yep. with the windows on yeah, the yeah. solstice. Yeah. Uh, uh, equinox. Equinox. And the sun comes yep. through the thing. And there's, these places are everywhere. Yeah. Uh, the Mayans built the serpent that goes yep. up the steps. The the Egyptians have the pyramids pointing yep. to the, the stars. Yep. So we know at least a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, whatever yep. years ago, we were still in the same things were still in the same Roughly. place, more or less in more the or sky. Less, yeah. We've got all this crazy movement. We've got the three body problem. We can't feel or detect mm -hmm. or notice anything, and yet the physics and the science and the maths tells us, no, this is all completely true, even though you can't experience any of it. Okay. If you, let's take, take that analogy, right? If you're traveling at 40 miles an hour, right? And then suddenly you go down to 10 miles an hour, 
do you feel the difference? Yes. Right. If you're traveling at 40 miles an hour and you keep traveling at 40 miles an hour, what is your perception of how fast you're going? Oh, you can't tell. You can't tell, right? Unless, unless you're exposed to the elements. Right. So you're, the, the, you know, this argument would be you're sitting in a plane, you're flying at 500 miles an hour. Yeah. Once you take off and you're cruising, yeah. you can't tell you're moving. Yeah. Unless there's turbulence yeah. or whatever. You just yeah. feel like you're underground. Exactly. Yeah. Take, take the roof off. Take the roof off the plane and yeah. tell me you can't feel that you're going 500 miles an hour. No. You, yeah, God. You, you will feel it, right? But the thing is, I, th I think the, the problem is that, the, I think a lot of it, like with these kind of, the, when it comes to astro, uh, astrophysics and uh, astronomy, the, what I, I find, it, it, listen, don't get me wrong. The numbers don't make, sometimes do not make sense to me. Right. Like I have so much like when I was doing astrophysics like 20 years ago, I really struggled with it. Right. But the struggle that, you know, like with jujitsu is the struggle that fulfills what you need. Right. Hence why I'm still interested in this. I think the main thing is when we get to planetary level numbers, the numbers are not are so big that our brain can't compute the, the maths. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I completely um, understand that. I mean, there's a, there's a quite a famous um, question example, um, which actually I have to change it now. I've, I haven't thought about this for ages, but you'll you'll see why when I when I tell you the answer. But I think it was in the Darren Brown book because he was he was saying mm. the same thing that we we can't understand big numbers. Yeah. So everybody who's listening to this, you can you can I'll, I'll give you a second to 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 think what what you think the answer is. If you get a piece of paper. And if you could, which you can't, if you could fold it in half 30 times, yeah. how tall do you think the stack of paper you would have is? Um, it goes beyond the beyond the atmosphere of the planet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it goes, that's why, apparently yeah. it goes to the moon and back, yeah. which obviously I don't yeah. think the moon is where they say it, yeah. so I have to change my numbers. <laughs> but we, yeah, we just, most people yeah. will say 20 metres, 50 yeah. metres, 100 metres, you know, they, they, it's yeah, yeah. very difficult to, to conceive of these big numbers. But... I'm 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 not saying that I need to conceptualize thousand miles an hour, sixty six thousand miles, five hundred thousand miles an hour, and one point three million yeah. miles an hour. I'm saying I know that if I, for for example, when I drove here today, right, yeah. I put the roof down on my car. Twenty five miles an hour, I can feel the wind. When okay. I when I ride a motorbike, ten fifteen miles an hour, I can feel the wind. If I'm in a in an insulated bubble, yeah, this is fine. This I'm in a plane. I'm yep. cruising. It's a big plane. I don't really feel the movement, but we are not in a bubble. We are on the surface of the spinning ball, so we should be. Everything should be shooting off, oh, except yeah. we say the gravity Gra com okay. comes let's back. Put, let's put gravity aside, right? And then we have the atmosphere. The problem, atmosphere, right? yeah. So let's. So there is. I was. I was recently watching a video on. Um, on there's some anomaly happening with Earth's magnetic field at the moment, and it is due to um, to flip. So the polarity of the planet is due to flip in the next. Uh, they reckoned it was, last time it happened. It happens every forty thousand years. Last time it happened was about forty thousand years ago. Now, if you take into account like all of the cataclysms and stuff like that that we talked about in the last. Uh, last uh, episode that we talked about, uh, we were on together. Um, 
the floods, all of that stuff, kind of align with that time time frame, right? And what this the guy was explaining is that when the Earth's polarity flips, the Earth's rotation has to slow down for it for that flip to happen, because if it's if it's spinning like in a in a anti clockwise direction, and then it has to flip and carry on, it has to go from spinning up to spinning down the polarity not not necessarily the the world is going to flip but just the the core mass is has to flip right and when that happens it has to slow down and that's when we get supermassive tsunamis crazy earthquakes all of that stuff i mean you can have a you can have a change of polarity much easier on a flat earth model than you can on a flipping molten core. Yeah. Can, can I just ask you something as well about the the molten core? Yeah. So there's there's two. I've got two questions about yeah. that. One is how do we know? Because yeah. the deepest we've ever and this this is uh, again I I think I yeah. remember this correctly. So it's the Kola Super Deep. Yep. Is the hole yep. in Russia. Yep. Seven miles. Yep. They went down seven miles, and they they got to a. A, a, a layer of something that they mm. couldn't get through. Mm -hmm. So they, it was going down, but yep. whatever. Apparently, everything on the way down, everything they thought they would find, they found something different. Yep. So where they thought it would be solid, it was, wasn't. And where yep. they thought it would be liquid, it wasn't. And it was yep. wrong all the way down. And then they got about seven miles down and they got to something that they couldn't get through. The drill yep. bits just kept busting and that hole is just there. Mm -hmm. Seven miles, can't go any further down. Yep. What's also interesting is that they took uh, recordings mm -hmm. when they were drilling and they said that they could hear some kind of voices yeah. at the bottom of that hole. What's below seven miles down? I don't know. That we, we could speculate. So that's, that's, that's the first thing. We can't get below seven miles. No. So how do we know what's... I mean, I mean, how far would it be like? 3,000 miles below that would be the... the Roughly, the, yeah. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. So we, we, but we think is a molten metal core, right? And the other, the other thing is, again, I think this is right, that if you take a magnet and you melt it, it loses its magnetism. Yes. So you have a molten metal core, which apparently is magnetic, even though we know when we okay. have a magnet and it goes molten, it loses its magnetism. Okay. And we can't go below seven okay. miles. Okay, so the way, way they, so this is geology, right? This is not my forte, but I... Uh, luckily, I have uh, my one of my uh, dad's younger brother is a, is a ge uh, geological engineer. So I Amazing. I asked the same question. Talented family, right? Uh, my dad's side of the family are ridiculous. Like this, um, his older brother was a ceramics engineer. Dad was a mechanical engineer. Uh, younger brother was a is um, geological engineer. Uh, youngest brother is a fisheries engineer, right? So like, yeah, there's like engineers. One, two, three, the, yeah, they, the, yeah. So. Dad's side is that my mum's um, dad's side is also very academic. Um, uh, one of them is a professor of bioinformatics in India. So, like, I, so I, this, this conversation this is a is matter this, of this, honor this, for you. This, well, part of They're it is right. I'm, I'm, I'm okay to you know I'm okay to lose lose from time. You know I don't mind losing right. Um, but I asked that question, uh, and I asked him because he used to work for um, the uh, the Indian National Oil Company ONGC. And I was really curious, like, what does he? What's his job, right? And he said he he takes things. He they they take um, uh, they used to take um, dynamite and put it into the ground, detonate it, 
and record the frequencies and then record the ultrasound com the sound coming back right so what they have been what they have been doing over the last i would say um 60 70 years is they have been sending these detonations into the ground it bounces off the the layers you know every layer a certain amount will come back they listen for the frequency and then they go and match it with materials that we can find find on the surface and roughly the central core is made out of iron and nickel that are very they're they're not molten when we say molten they're not molten like pourable no they are under tremendous amounts of pressure so what would be molten on the surface if you go down to that level it's still a solid right right and that is what like when this is again like it's like your pressure cooker yeah pressure right? cooker right yeah. so yeah. pressure yeah. cooker water boils on the surface at one atmosphere at 100 and 100 degrees centigrade yeah everyone knows that but if you put it in a pressure cooker it'll it'll boil at 120 cents like if you go to everest um, water boils at uh, 87 yeah centigrade right so what is happening in the center of the planet is there's this core of iron and nickel, very heavy uh, materials that are under tremendous amounts of pressure. So we know what the pressure is like when we go to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. Like think of that, but with much more dense material, it's squashing this core down and effectively the magnetic properties are still available because of the fact that it, it is not molten and it hasn't lost its um, its structure, right? Like metals generally have a structure. Like with um, iron, it, you can have with, you know, like I don't know if you've ever looked at, read about samurai swords. Yeah, we've yeah. talked about this before. Yeah. yeah. So Martin side, like it depends on how you cool it, how you how you temper it, how 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 you take the temperature, how you know what's what's your process at that level. The the core is under so, tremendous amounts of pressure that the 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 what what would what would those materials require to stay magnetic still exist right that's handy um but but just just to just to 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 reiterate the what, what i said before and I, I think this is correct that when when they were going down through that yeah. cola super deep everything they thought they would find they didn't find yeah so when we say that we're using uh, detonations and looking yeah. at the, the reflected waves and these sorts of things to figure out what materials we find on the surface, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, they got it wrong. Yeah. And yet they know what's 3,000 miles further down that you Up to think a point, is right. right. Up to a point, right? It's, it's, it's theoretical. With, with, like it's, it's with any kind of measurement. Yeah, it but is it's up to a point. It's theoretical. Like, um, what was it again? Like uh, Neil De uh, deGrasse Tyson uh, on Joe Rogan, he was talking about um, if you take a, a, um, a ruler, mm -hmm. right? If you measure it, me take the measurement for one centimeter, and then you go to one millimeter, there is still a space. Yes, of right, course. right. That that is what we're talking about. Right? Yeah, but all I'm saying is that if if I said to you, um, I can tell you what's behind that bush. Yeah. There's a chicken. Yeah. And then you went and looked and there's no chicken. I said, don't worry, behind the fence is a horse. Go and have a look. There's no horse. Yeah. Oh, the tree over there, behind the tree is a cow. There's yeah. no cow. And I did this 50 times and I got it wrong. And then I said to you, do you know what's in Edinburgh? 
and you say what and I say there's a tiger and you go I believe you bro uh, yeah that's it, the, that's, understand that's understand the analogy, what you're saying right, right? yeah understand get what you're saying get everything wrong and then the thing that we can't actually measure that's right because we can't we can't actually go and check it so we go well they've, they're smart man they're engineers these guys they must know right okay so with, with that analogy right it's it's you observing the universe, you observing what you're observing For sure. at, at that point in time. So it, is it, we have to think like any of these kind of scientific experiments, there is a, for, for something to be considered a scientific experiment, there has to be the, the possible, it has to be repeatable, right? So what, what the geological engineers did is that they have gone and repeated the same, same experiments on the same, same um like what they did in the first case they might have done it in us they've gone and gone and done it in russia and they've compared the results and they do it all over the world with physics like the problem with physics is physics is that it's a it's a gray science but but just to just to just to um push back on that mm. so they, they do the same thing us russia yeah. and get the same result yeah so why 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 does how does that prove a ball that also works on a flat plane. You shoot something down, it yeah. bounces off something and comes back and yeah. it says, this is iron and nickel, we, yeah. we think. Go and do it over here, you get the same answer. Go and do it over there, you get the same, like a dinner plate, right? right. Tap the dinner plate here, it's cold and it's hard, cold and hard on this edge, cold and hard on this. Right. It, it still works on a flat. Okay, it does work, work on the flat, right. And you still don't know what you're actually hitting because okay. like you said, you, you compare your reading to stuff we find on the surface. Yeah. So we say, okay, when we see this energy signature, yeah. this looks like iron and this looks yeah. like nickel. So we theorize this is what's in the yeah. middle. But what if there's stuff down there that's not on the surface that we don't, we've never seen and we don't know what it is? Yeah, that's, that's could possible. Be, could right. be that, could, right? Could be Adamantium, that. unicorn, horse, yeah. we don't yeah, know. Yeah, we don't know, right? Theoretical. But if, if we do get to a point where we can go and observe it, we would observe it not only in, say, US, in Europe or Russia. We might end up, we will probably have to go to other places and try and see if we can observe the same same properties. Yeah, then we can right? do episode three, right? If, yeah, exactly. If, if we go and see yeah. it. But at the moment, it's theoretical. Right. Yeah, it's all theory. Look, mo like everything with science is, it's a theory. Let me give you some non-theoretical. Yeah. Okay. Let me give you some non-theoretical because, again, you know, as much as this fascinates me, I really, yeah. really enjoy talking about it. It's, it's, you have an opinion, I have an opinion, yep. someone else would have an opinion, yep. and we can all be right because yep. it's theoretical, right? So this this is, well, I say it's not theoretical, everything's theoretical, yep. but do you know what the curvature, I think we talked about this last time, the yep. NASA's yeah, yep. model, right? Yep. The curvature of Earth. Yeah. Do, do you remember what it is? I, th I think it's one... I remember. I remember you us talking it's, about this. It's yeah. eight, for anyone who's listening, yep. it's eight inches per mile squared. Yeah. So what that means, um, because again, you know, maths is not everybody's strong suit, including mine. So at one mile, the curve away from you is eight inches. So you get yeah. eight, eight inches of drop if yeah. you look a mile away. But it's the distance squared. So yeah. over 10 miles, that's 10 times 10, which is 100, Yeah. times eight. So it's 800 inches. At 10 miles. Wouldn't it be squared? Wouldn't it be 64 inches? No, it's the distance squared oh, distance times squared. eight. Right. Because, you you know, the yeah, yeah. Yeah. each each mile you go, you're dropping faster because you're yeah. already on, on the curve, right? So it's the distance squared times eight inches. So 
uh, at 10 miles is at 800 inches of drop. So, um, talking about engineering, the uh, aerospace industry, in all of their manuals, in all of their mm. engineering books, um, they when they when they are doing their calculations for building aircraft or yep. fuel amounts or whatever yep. it is that you need to work out, they all say that you should assume a flat stationary non-rotating plane because it makes the calculations easier. Yeah. And a commercial jet cruises at about 500 miles an hour. This yeah. is the one that we yeah. can't feel we're moving, right? Because yeah. we're in the tube. At 500 miles an hour, every hour, there should be 2 million inches of curvature. 500 times 500 yeah. times 8 is 2 million, yeah. 2 million inches, which is 31 and a half miles. So every hour, a commercial jet travels over 31 and a half mm. miles of drop. Yeah. You never have to nose a plane down. You yep. keep it horizontal yep. to the to the horizon. They use mechanical gyroscopes yep. to stabilize. Um, to stabilize. And a gyroscope must assume a flat plane. It can't mm. work on a ball yep. because it doesn't know which way where it is on the ball, yep. right? It just knows up and down. Yeah. And the calculations for the jet and how it's made and how it's fueled and the, how long it's traveling, etc is assuming a flat plane. Yep. So you assume it's flat and you ignore 31 and a half miles of drop every hour and everything works perfectly. So this is not theoretical. This is applied. what we are told. Yeah, yep. applied, perfect. Yep. This is, we are told, just assume it's flat and everything yep. will work. Yep. Can you can you help me understand okay. how that so works? Have you, have you seen how... if? Uh, you went to Mexico a couple of months back, right? Yes. Okay. So you went from London to uh, Acapulco? Is, uh, we... Is there an airport near Cancun? No, Cancun. Cancun, Cancun, right? You went to Cancun. Yeah, yeah. Did you go... Did the map on the on the plane show you going in a straight line? Or did it show you going in a curve? Uh, probably a curve. curve I, right. I did a look, but probably okay. a curve. Okay, so what, what, when they say flat plane is because you can't, like, let's be honest, like when you deal with, like I think I said this in the last episode, when you deal with hyperbolic arcs, the maths gets really, very complicated and you can't expect non-scientists, non-like high-level engineers to deal with that. Like someone who's fresh out of university is not going to be able to deal with that. So they simplify it, right? So they simplify it to a point where we can say, okay, flat plane, we're working in this way. It's like, Take take a, a builder, right? Does that builder need to know how how a brick works, how it's held up, how right? They all they know is it's um, uh, one two three, right? They know that it's the the height is the height of a brick is three times its length, and they know the width of the brick is two. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's one two three, right? Um, or right, so. You simplify when you're building things like this. When you're engineering, engineering is taking science and simplifying it that it's useful, right? What engineers do is they will simplify these things to a flat plane. That that for aeronautical engineering they'll say flat plane, right? When I'm talking about software and I'm talking about software engineering, I have I um, there's 
the five principles of software engineering. I, I simplify my code down to that. But do I need to, do I need to worry about how pull your mic just across um, a tiny bit? How um, uh, which address in the memory I'm going to access, which are music like it's simplified when you're building things on a you know on a uh, industrial level. It's got to be simplified so that the complicated math is taken out so that the people building it or the people like pilots, pilots don't need to know um, the curvature of the earth and all of that thing because they're thinking point A to point B, if we go up to 30,000 feet, we go across for this many hours, we arrive here, right? That is what they're doing. That's the maths that they need to work out. Yeah. But they, but so the, the the question though is, if you're talking about software engineering, mm. um, I haven't got a clue. But the the code and the machine yeah. does all the stuff in the background. Yeah. You just simplify to your five yeah. points. Like, am I doing yeah. this? Am I doing that? okay? Yeah. Th this yeah. will work in the background. Yeah. If if we're talking about an an aircraft, yeah, physical aircraft, yeah. applied engineering yeah. that's flying in the the real mm. in our reality as we perceive yeah. it you can you can ignore 31 and a half miles of drop every hour because it's complicated no and you don't need to understand you don't it. need to understand it right but how do, how does the plane drop 31 and a half miles every it's, hour it's without not, anyone it's understanding not dropping it? right it's not effectively dropping the you're following a curve yeah right it seems but it like says a drop. It assumes a flat plane um, and assumes, it uses a gyroscope. Yeah. How does the gyroscope know to keep nosing down constantly? It's like not, what's my what's my reference point? Maybe that's the question. So I'm, I think, I'm, I'm in I the jet. Yeah. And where I am sitting, okay. up is up and down is yeah. down, right? And, yeah. and and that's my perception. Yeah. But if I if we fly for an hour, yeah. Up now is tilted slightly forwards from where it was, because because I'm we're we're, we're nosing yeah. over and down is tilted slightly backwards yeah. from where we were. So does the gyroscope understand that? The the gyroscope is using the horizon. Yes. Right. Wherever the horizon is, the gyroscope is leveling the nose with the horizon. So even if you're but dropping... But the, the gyroscope doesn't see the horizon. The gyroscope is, is mechanical. Yeah, right? it's mechanical. It's, just, it's it spinning, spins, right? right? So the, the person flying it will align the, align the nose of or the computer that's flying it, will align the nose to, to where the horizon is. So it constantly has to nose, nose down. down. It prob yeah, it, it, but the thing is, you, don't, you, do, you won't necessarily feel it because... I'm it's, not. I'm not saying you would feel it necessarily. Yeah. But this is back to you're moving at a constant rate. Yeah. You, you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Notice yeah. The, the that, you, that you, you're moving. It, it is nosing down. But it. But it, yeah. It will, it's still, it will, it will, It's keeping the nose in relative to the horizon in a, in a flat plane. And so, again, like as, as far as I'm aware, I'm not a mm. pilot. But as far as I'm aware, that's that's not what happens. They you point at the horizon, you stay flat. You don't need yeah. to nose anywhere. It just goes. Yeah. Um, but also, when you're when you have uh, night flights, the stars should be moving upwards. They should be rotating backwards overhead because you are flying round a curve. Yeah. So if I so when I when I start flying, whatever I can see, I don't know. The Big Dipper is yeah. right in front of me. Yeah. 
if I fly for 10 hours, the, the Big Dipper should be up here because I've, I've changed my orientation relative to the stars, yeah. right? So if we, if, we, if we try to kind of conceptualize it, that the, this, the Earth is a ball. Yeah. And for sake of example, um, direct, if I'm pointing mm. directly ahead, so through the Earth, the yeah. Big Dipper is right in yeah. front of me. If I move, so now I'm I'm at the top of the earth looking downwards, yeah. the Big Dipper should be now 90 but degrees it's not, right? behind. But it doesn't move. But so so I can I can go on these night flights and there's videos of it yeah. where the stars in front of you are doing their normal rotation mm -hmm. as they do in the, you know, you see these time lapse yeah. of, the, of them yeah. spinning around the, the pole star. Yeah. You still see that. Yeah. It should have gone behind your head. Why would it have gone behind your head? Because if you, you are traveling at 500 miles an hour and the earth is spinning at 1,000 miles an hour. What? At the equator. Even, it, okay, say it's at... This, this is a whole other problem. Okay. If I fly from the North Pole, let's yeah. say, which I'm not allowed to go to, but if I was... You can go to the North Pole. Pole. You can't. You can. You can't. You can go to the North Pole area, but you can't go to the North Pole. You need permits. You need yeah. It's it's part of uh, Denmark. Yeah, and uh, and uh, Antarctica is a whole other discussion, yeah. right? Because yeah. you're not allowed. We to don't go. have enough time. We don't yeah. have enough time. But if if theoretically yeah. I, I, I fly from the North Pole and yeah. I fly down to um, equator somewhere, yeah. Africa, wherever, everything in the in the sky should have rotated behind me. Maybe not completely behind me, but it's it's rotating okay. from my eye level up, yep. up above okay. me, over my head, and yep. backwards. But there's there's plenty of videos from flights yep. where you can just see the the stars turning, right. and they don't they don't go over your okay. head. Okay, so with with the okay again, un, unique positions of the Big Dipper and the Pole Star, right? The, there are two two uh, constellations that effectively the way they're positioned is directly above the north pole that's right. how we know if the if we if you use um uh the big dipper um orion you in the northern hemisphere you can you can find yourself to the north pole yeah. very easily right right those are those are like um those are like two two things that i remember from survival training when i when i was in otc it's like you know, just remember these two things. You've done everything, right? A bit of everything. No, no, you know, it's again like it's pra practical application of of, I'm of physics, I'm, right? I'm impressed, right? Like they they t they t tell you like there's this manual and it says, oh, when you are uh, doing this, you uh, if and you're lost and you if you think you're in the north North Pole, uh, look up at a clear sky. Look for the Big Dipper. Look for, actually before you look for the Big Dipper, look for the um, the constellation of Orion, the the top most visible uh, star in Orion, if you draw a perpendicular line, they'll tell you when the direction, rough direction of where north is. Then you turn, find the Big Dipper, that points to the pole star. Now you've got your bearings. Um, so again, uniquely placed. Because of their position in relative to the poles, they're uniquely placed. It it wouldn't necessarily, if you're going like this, there there are certain constellations which will go beyond your horizon. But there are some that don't because of its relative position to the planet. Yeah, they're so far away and they're so big that it will it you can see it from. No, doesn't it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It does not make sense because the distances don't make sense. No, you're not. You're not talking about the distances. You're talking about the angle 
in the sky. So if I take a beach ball yeah. and I have uh, on one side of the beach ball, I have a torch, right. let's say, and I move the torch. How I mean, how far would I have to move the torch away that if I'm standing on the other side of the beach ball, yeah. I can see the torch? It doesn't make sense. If you actually think about it, it, it doesn't it, make sense. It doesn't make sense. You, you, you know, the, the, and I think this is this is the. So I heard this this fantastic analogy earlier today or last night while I was doing my research. Mm. And the and the analogy is this. So this is this is um, why I think. And you're you're very gracious to come and talk about this stuff because most people they will they will entertain anything. Bigfoot, aliens. Uh, whatever Egyptian dog half yeah. people they will they will entertain anything the minute you start talking about flat earth people get completely triggered and they just they, yeah. they just shut down because it's such a fundamental thing that we've been conditioned with yeah and so 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 this is this is this analogy I heard earlier and I think it's, it's a really clever way of, of thinking about it so from the time we're born pretty much we are told, you live on a globe. Mm. First day at school, first week at school, whatever. This here's here's the Earth. The Earth goes round the sun. The moon goes round the Earth. Look, you can see it. Like we we're told yeah. all the time. This is how it is. Everything space, space movies, Star Wars, Star mm. Trek, space, space, space. Kids kids love space. By the time you're four or five or six years old, you that's a fundamental core belief for you, right? You yeah. you cannot divorce yourself from it. If you if you had um, uh, a couple of kids that are born, so yep. you're on the maternity ward, yep. and people are having kids all the time, and the nurse is not paying attention, whatever, picks up your baby yep. and gives it to the bed next to you, yep. and picks up their baby and gives it to your yep. bed. You guys both look similar, yep. so no one notices anything. Yep. Here's your little boy, mm. here's your little boy. Fantastic. The babies grow up. The babies become 25 years mm. old, whatever. One of the babies becomes ill. Yeah. They're now an adult, becomes ill. Start going and having tests, this, that, and the other. They can't figure out what's wrong. You know, all the, all the sort of normal yeah. tests coming up doesn't doesn't throw anything up. Then So then they say, look, we better do the genetic testing. And it throws up, okay, you've got this really rare genetic condition. Yeah. Oh, my God, where did this come from? Check the father's line, can't see it anywhere. Check mm. the mother's line, can't see it anywhere. Cousins, brothers, sisters, can't figure out where yeah. it came from. Unless you can understand that maybe this baby is not your baby, yeah. you're never going to figure out the truth about why, yeah. why this person got ill. Yeah. Because your whole belief system is for, the, for the, the, the person that's grown and for the parents, like this is our kid. Yeah. I gave birth, they took it out, they weighed it, they wrapped it up, they brought it back, this is our kid. And I think it's a good analogy because we are we are kind of wedded to this ball theory. Yeah. And we just cannot conceive that it it could be incorrect. I mean, even you, I think you will probably entertain quite happily simulation theory wormholes time travel this I'm, I'm, uh, anything look, you like I, even even with flat except earth. for flat no 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 flat earth as well it's, it's one of those things where i don't have a problem with people saying it's flat i i my so my 
my mentality with this is something again that teacher mr charlie told me he's like i'm going to tell you stuff right i'm going to teach you this this thing that you need to know for your exam but it's not my job to tell you why you have to go and find it out go and research it get that deep understanding so i'd really to like two really like influential when it comes to like this kind of thing mr woodworth and mr charlie um and both of them always like the the way they kind of they they get taught us stuff but then the the thing that he would say is go and do your research find out why this is the 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 proof for why there is light right power photon occurs this is the mathematical proof go and research it go go on the internet find out how they got there got what is the the thought process for this equation so what it meant is that when you know like take for example like i think it was 2016 they detected gravitational waves for the first time right when two theoretical theoretical theoretically they detected it right i knew the maths and i knew that it's only a matter of time before we build a we get the technology to the level where we can potentially detect it and we might have only detected it a handful of times but it means that now we can work on the technology refine it and then wait for the next set of de- detections right because it is a pretty pretty um rare case for two bodies to go across and collide and cause a gravitational wave so for that to happen it's again a unique set of circumstances that need to do it when it comes to the with the planet earth i was it was drilled into me from the day i went to school that the it's a globe right but if you look like the reason why i'm happy to entertain people with this um with this theory is that i'm and i'm happy to talk to people who are like that is i want to understand what their processes where did they why are they thinking the what the 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 things that they're thinking and a lot of it comes down to like if if you go on the internet and go on youtube and you go down the flat earth conspiracy theory um uh rabbit warren what i find is that it's a lot of people who are from very strong judeo christian faiths right and they're the people who are driving the conversation and but at the same time there are these other people who are actually using good engineering practices they're trying to prove it and that intrigues me and i'm like okay i'm going to listen to you because you're using things that i value like things that i i kind of cherish as a as an engineer and i'm okay with that for you to prove me wrong i don't have a problem yeah so so um the probably the last thing that i that i wanted to to just reference and then maybe we can move on to the, yeah, the quantum, quantum yeah. stuff right because otherwise going to going to dominate yeah. this and and we're going to we're going to miss all of that there's a book which I'll send you the PDF yeah. for, but I've, I've got, I'll show you on the laptop. I've got one up on the screen. And for you guys that are watching on YouTube, or I'll put some pictures up on my Instagram, um, I'll, I'll post some of the pictures. So there's a PDF. Um, you can order a physical book, but there's a PDF book, uh, which is free to download. I've put the link in the show notes called 16 Emergency Landings That Prove the Flat Earth. And so what it shows, uh, let me show you the, whoops, the, the, the laptop. So... You can just yep. scroll up and down. So it's 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 sixteen um, emergency landings on commercial planes um, where they made an emergency landing in a place where they could not make an emergency landing mm-hmm. if they were flying over a globe. So the one that I've just um, showed Krish on the laptop 
It's a flight from Taipei to LA. Yep. A woman, I, th I think she gave birth on the flight and they needed yep. to make an emergency landing. They should, it was nine hours and 30 minutes, something like that, into the flight. On a, on a globe, on the globe mm. model, even if you say it's not exactly accurate, they mm. would have been somewhere over the Pacific, somewhere near Hawaii, and they should have made an emergency landing uh, somewhere around there or waited till they got to the US. Yep. But they made an emergency landing. They didn't need to add any time to the flight. Yep. They made an, an emergency landing in Alaska. Yep. If you look at the flat earth map, which is called Gleason's map, which used to be taught in schools before the 1940s, I think. Yep. If you talk to really old people, they'll tell you that's the map that used to be in schools and this is how yep. we used to be taught. And then it became the globe um, suddenly. Um, if you if you look through all of those, and they they, they, they they come complete with newspaper clippings and you know TV reports, so you it's not like they made up. Mm. They show the the flight details, where they were tickets could be purchased, all of that stuff. There's 16 of them, where they make emergency landings in places that are physically impossible mm -hmm. if you were flying over the the yep. globe. Um, this, this again, hopefully as an applied engineering example is something that doesn't really need a theoretical explanation. You're talking about a plane, it's flying from A to B. If it needs to land, it should land at C in the middle, but instead it lands at T yep. 5,000 miles away. These yep. things, again, there's 16 of them. They work on a flat map. Yep. They don't work on a ball. Yeah. Okay, so Gleason's this map that that you've shown here, right, where you've got the globe and then you've got the this this map. If you look at the projection, right, the way way to project it out, this projection is probably the most accurate projection for the size of the planet, the countries in the planet, right. One of the things, if you try and turn this into a globe, it would it will fit and it will work and it will be very, very accurate. The problem we have is that our flat map that we use is the Mercator pro uh, projection, which is really, really crap for the center of the planet, but it's very, very good for the, the, the poles, right? So even in the Google map that you've got here, this one, that is a Mercator pro um, uh, projection map. It is a it is the most common projection of the of a globe there is. This is not this projection is not correct. However, if you took this turned it into a globe, that would be a, it. It wouldn't be a perfect globe. It won't be a round circle. It would be a really weird shape, but that would actually make more sense. Yeah, but 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 just just to just to 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 understand then, Alaska. On the globe, yeah. forget what it looks like, yeah. whether we can map it properly yeah. or not. Alaska is directly in between Taiwan and LA. Uh, on a globe. On a globe, yeah. No. No, no like th this is the thing, right? It's if you look at the, if you look at the flights that go from LA to the to the Eastern Pacific, they all go through Alaska. Right, um, the Korean where, where they shouldn't. Right, they shouldn't. It doesn't make sense <laughs> because but, it's not where you think but it is. If you if you look at that route, if you measure the distance between those places, it's actually shorter than going round. 
yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, if well, but but then but then kind of effectively, what you're saying is the flat map is the correct map. Yeah. Which just happens to be, interestingly, the UN map mm -hmm. is Gleason's map. Yeah. And I think the WHO. Yeah. Um, and someone else as well. Yeah. They they literally have the the flat Earth map yeah. as their logo. Yeah. The flat flat the flat Earth map is the best projection of countries by their size, the land masses by their size. Everything on this map is accurate. And where they are. And exactly where they are. Right. But it does not make <laughs> Thanks it... Thanks for listening, the, guys. <laughs> but, but it does not, does not rent... Like, if you take this as a flat map and you then go, okay, I'm going to turn this into a ball this would be the most accurate representation of what the planet looks like. Yeah, but you couldn't, you still couldn't move Alaska in between Taipei and LA on a ball. It doesn't make, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And I, I know what you're saying. When you see the Mercator map, it's got those kind yeah. of weird circles because yeah, yeah. it's all, yeah, yeah. they try to unravel yeah. it. But it, 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 it shows the continents or the countries the wrong sizes, the wrong yeah. aspect ratios, yeah, yeah. they're not in the right sort of relative positions yeah. of each other. But you can't, th th this flat map shows that when you fly between Taiwan and, and LA, yeah. you literally fly over Alaska and that's yeah. why they made a, a stop there. <laughs> but on a ball, you literally do not. You fly over the Pacific, whether it's a little bit taller or shorter or wider or whatever than you think it is. The, the, and 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 this, if you, I'll send you the PDF. It's yeah. quite interesting. I haven't even looked for all of them yet, but it's it's quite interesting. What you find is, so so that Gleason's map. Yeah. Um, you guys again, who are, if you're if you're listening, go on my Instagram. I'll post it. And if you are watching, then it will be up on the screen on the on the YouTube. Um, it, if you have northern hemisphere flights. They all make sense on a ball model and on the Gleason's map. Yep. So they go pretty much where you would expect them to go. They fly over the countries yep. that it looks like they fly yep. over. So if you're going from um, Canada to Scotland or whatever, it goes. It works on both maps. It's yep. a kind of a straight line. As soon as you do southern hemisphere flights, they don't work on the on the ball model. Yeah. On the flat map, they work perfectly. Yep. Example being this one, yeah. Taiwan to LA goes straight across the middle over yep. uh, Alaska. On on the ball, it makes no sense. And there's hundreds of these southern hemisphere flights yeah. where you would think, oh, you're going from, I don't know, Mexico to South Africa or whatever. Right, that's a straight shot down there. No, they go over northern Russia. Yeah, Like you're flying literally, you know, you, you look at a triangle, you're saying that the, the distance between... Mexico and South Africa is basically the same as Mexico to northern Russia and basically the same again as Russia down yep. to South Africa. But you're going Russia, South Africa, and it only takes the time that it should have taken to go f straight across. Yep. All of these southern hemisphere flights, or many of them, the longer yep. ones, they, they, they're basically a straight line or a more or less a straight shot yep. if they have to make a stop in a friendly country. Where, on the ball of no, but if, don't we, make if sense. we take this map and then we project it over a globe, this route is the correct route to take. Yes, right. right? But that—that's probably that. My my reasoning for that is that the Mercator projection is easy for you to understand relative places in in you can 
uh, understand the projection and you can... But, but you have the um, uh, degrees yeah. of longitude, yeah. right? N north and yeah. south. So Alaska is like, what is it, like 80 degrees north or something? Yeah. And, and Taipei to LA is 10 degrees, 20 um, degrees? No, it, uh, Taipei is above the, it's about 35. 35. To about 45. All right, and yeah. LA is probably similar. Yeah. So you're yeah. flying from 35, 45 to 80 and back to 35, 45. Mm. And you're saying that that is explained by the fact that the Mercator map is not very good. I mean, the, the longitudes... Yeah. Are, are, so so are you saying then that the, the longitudes that we think things are at, they're not at? So so say, I, I don't know... The, the longitude numbers, or latitude? Long, uh, longitude is up and down. Up and right? down, yeah. Yeah, so, so let's say, for sake of yeah. example, Alaska's at, at 80. Yeah. You're saying it's not really at 80, it's at 45. Where, no, where it, LA could be, it could is. be like the way we see. You've got to think it's everything is relative to an arbitrary point that we picked, right? Right. That that's the problem. We've got an arbitrary measure for all of this stuff. We are not talking of, like it's simplified to make it easy for people to understand. Time, like our longitudinal line for the time, is done not because there is, because it it makes sense in terms of. Uh, 24 hours it's done so that trains could arrive at the right place at the right time sure right and it's the same with the latitudes as well like we are taking like zero latitude as being being the equator right mm -hmm. who made that decision I don't, i'm not sure so i can't make you know tell you who it either, is either the rockefellers or the rothschilds oh no earlier than that it's probably the brits the, the it's probably the family brits. well the rothschilds then. this family right. is thousands of years old right? so like the the, uh, the 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 lines of the tropics 30 30 plus or minus 30 right if you take all of these things the the thing is on a flat surface rendering something that is spherical into a flat surface is is just plain bonkers so we've got a map that is incorrect and we're carrying forward all of these errors in the way we calculate things and effectively what we've got is the difference between something that should take 12 hours going across like that going 12 hours going like this because um the way we've been taught what we've been the, about the planet is prob is very incorrect Thank you for listening, guys. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm not disputing <laughs> that fact. We have simplified. It makes more sense if it's flat. Watered. No, we've simplified <laughs> and watered down the way uh, science to make it digestible for the common person. Even though ninety percent of the people on this planet have no kind of interest in this because it doesn't affect them. And what's happened is that when someone comes with an alternate theory, like the flat, flat, uh, flat planet theory we all jump on them like oh we you're wrong because we've been we have kind of been conditioned by the by the by the uh, education system in western western countries and most most countries in the world they follow the prussian model right and it is like you need to start thinking why it is like that and then start you know my question to flat earth is why why have you come to this conclusion and i take your points on board and i say okay fine i understand that However, in my opinion, the maths and the scientific evidence around the way astrological objects are formed are, just doesn't match up to it. So I'm okay that you think that, and I'm happy for you to think that, 
but I I understand it from a different point of view, and I'm okay with that, right? That's fair. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump down your throat, and I'm gonna tell you that you're wrong because I think that when you do that, you don't get this richness of conversation. And I think sometimes you need to you need to understand the other person's point of view to to kind of make you go, okay, I need to go and research about this. Like because of you, I went and looked into gyroscopes and how do i show that the earth is spinning and i you know i found i sent you that link with the um the guy talking about the very super sensitive gyroscope that can track um rotate angular rotation so I, you know i went and researched about that how it works and i think that's the thing for me it's like these conversations are fun because it challenges my brain and it challenges my brain to think why rather than what and how and I think that's 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 the key thing here is like well the 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 why maybe just to just to wrap it up this part of it for me the 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 why is if you don't know where you are you don't know who you are then you're a slave you're easy to okay, control yeah. because you you you've got no clue yeah. even who you are where you came from yeah um that's that's the yeah. why and 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 you know the 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 sort of the the pushback that that a lot of people um give is like oh you know do you know how many people would have to be like involved for this to be true and da, da, da. and the answer is very few very few yeah. because like you said and and certainly my experience of most things most people don't won't can't ever check anything ever mm. and if we need an example of it um, look at what just happened with the with the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, I think we're far enough out of it now that pretty much everyone has realised. With the, I'll do the sign of the the injection so I can put this on YouTube. Um, that it was not tested. It was not safe. They knew it was going to kill people. They knew it was going to cause all kinds of health problems, and they put it out everywhere. And 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 every single doctor media everybody was telling you safe and effective go and have it whereas there was probably two or three hundred people who un understood exactly what it was yeah. and that it wasn't safe or effective yeah, yeah. and everyone else just went along with it and and so it's very easy to have um any kind of deception yeah. where you just have a few people at the top who tell you look this is this is how it is and then the next guy down says, okay, fine. And he tells his guys and they tell their guys. And then that's that's the model we have. So it's, it's easy to, it, to hide this. I think we, no people, people, don't, people kind of forget how, how indebted we are to these global players, right? I'm not talking about the Rothschild and all that kind of stuff. What I'm talking about is like the people who control our politicians, the people who tell our politicians and the, our rulers to do what they're doing, like, the this like especially in the UK we are we have a burden of debt that we've taken on for wars and you know um, World War Two we only recently paid it off right all of that stuff means that there is external pressures being placed on our leaders and our leaders they don't want to lose their job so they're going to go along and the people who are subordinate to the leaders are going to go along. Your doctor's going to go along because he's going to be struck off. Your nurses are going to go along because they're going to be struck off and they can't work. They need to feed their family, right? And I think it, it doesn't take a lot, of, a lot of effort to control people, right? And the, the problem is for people like you and I who, kind, who have that habit of asking, why are we doing this? We get ostracized because... You're the weirdos, right? However, it's people like 
I wouldn't say like people like us, but people question why. They're the ones who are worth listening to because they're going to, not necessarily the conspiracy theorists and people who are going to, you know, Tim Fall hat guys. I'm talking about people who simply ask like, why do we need to do this? Like um, when I was offered the injections um, and like work was telling me to get it, I turned around and said, I'm not getting it unless it's the AstraZeneca one. Because I went and did the research on how AstraZeneca made their injections of that vaccine. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. The science behind it, how they did it. They used the uh, a cold virus from the chimpanzee and they spliced in de um, genetic material from the coronavirus and they created this vaccine. And I looked at, I dug into a bit more and I found out it's a whole whole body vaccine. It's not an mRNA vaccine. And I was like, I had a bit of skepticism with an mRNA vaccine because it is new technology. It hasn't been properly tested. And we don't know what the ramifications are. We do, like we haven't had a test case that is wide enough that we can categorically say the, the, the risks are minimum. Like for example, like the um, uh, smallpox vaccine, we had been testing it for like best parts of 100 years before we were like, okay, this thing works. We know it works, it will get rid of smallpox mumps, rubella, all of those things. We've been testing it for like 30, 40 years before it came into um, mass use, right? And don't get me wrong, I think we have the technology that we can cycle through testing faster nowadays. Like we can probably do it in 10 years, five years. But I think the speed at which the mRNA vaccines came out just made me feel like eh, this is this feels a bit the QA hasn't been done properly on it. So, yeah, yeah. So, but but then it, it turned out. I mean, my yeah. my cousin uh, in South Africa is a retired now, but he's a cardiologist. Yeah, <clears throat> and he had the same. I had the same conversations with him. Mm. Bro, don't take it. And he was like, "Listen, I'm a doctor. Like yeah. I'm a heart doctor." He so he took the J and J. Same yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Non non RNA, uh, mRNA, etc., etc. So. A, Z, and J, and J were the first ones to get effectively banned. Yeah. Why? Because they caused blood clots. Now, on the one hand, you can say um, that no one outside of a few people, no one really knew mm. what, what was going to happen with yep. them. Like you say, untested, new technology, yeah. was it rushed through? We don't know. There, there's no indemnity against the manufacturers. Yeah. There's a bit, bit of a worry, whatever. I, my kids didn't get it. Right. I, I refused to, like, when but, they offered it, I was like, nope. But the thing is, you know, you, you'd, say, you'd say, like, on the one hand, it's very difficult to kind of understand um, what, what was going to be the outcome, yeah. whether they're going to work or not work, how they're going to work, etc. And on the other hand, you could say, well, let me just, again, this is my uh, cow behind the tree, pigs mm. behind the fence, and mm. none of them are actually there. Let me, let me just look at who's telling me to get this. Politicians, the media, um, and the drug companies. Mm. Effectively, that was the yeah. three kind of... Um, pronged yep. these were the three industries that were that were ramming it down everyone's throats politicians do they tell the truth or do they lie pretty much consistently they lie the media do they tell oh, the they, truth or yeah. do they lie pretty much consistently yeah. they lie the drug companies there isn't there isn't an industry on earth 
apart from the weapons manufacturers, that's killed more. No, probably forget the weapons manufacturers. There isn't an industry on earth that's killed more people than the drug there companies. There is. It, it's the fossil fuel industry, but we'll get. We'll, that's a different. Okay. Story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Top three. Yeah, top problem, three. Problem with the weapons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So one's designed to kill people. Yeah. One is fuel and fuck it if it kills people. No, no, no. no and the other one no, is yeah. medicine. Leaded, leaded petrol. Uh, yeah, 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 but yeah. yeah, but that. But that's what I mean. They're trying yeah. to. They're trying to make yeah. money out of fuel, yeah. right? And if it kills people, fuck it. Yeah. And the third one is medicine. Yeah. And that's in the top three yeah. of what kills you, yeah, right? Yeah. So you've got three industries that have a track record of lying all the time and Lobbying, killing people. Yeah. Right. Doing shady stuff. And then. I don't need to know what's in it or whether they researched yeah. it or how they made it. I again, I come back to my common sense and I go, "This guy's been convicted of rape fifteen times. This guy's been convicted of rape sixteen times. And this guy's been convicted of rape twenty-five times. Yeah. Should I let them go out on a date with my wife somewhere private and quiet and secluded? Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I like, don't need to know the science. I just need to use common sense. Yes, yeah, I agree. And I think like it, like when money suddenly magics up for us to buy these, like I just kind of think, hold on, we don't have money to repair the roads. We don't have money to repair the trains. I've been all of these, like, right? Like, School it, meals, like, as, police, fire yeah, services. Like, kid, kids free meals, right? Like, are you saying you've got to cut kids free meals for vaccines? I think they'll take the food more than that, you know? But listen like the the thing is like if you look at what's happening around the world regardless of what uh, you know what party it is there is so much shady stuff going on um and like we've got 20 minutes so i'll, I'll quickly touch Do on the quantum, shady, yeah. quantum 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 uh, computing stuff right um and recently like you know everyone seems to be talking about quantum computing and how it's going to change the world and all of that stuff yeah it is but not in the next 10 15 years right so let's let's take the terminator skynet um ai and quantum computing going to change the world thing let's take it out and put it to one side for the next 16 years how does quantum computing work it's basically what we do is we do a double slit um um, experiment so the light going through two slits effectively if you if you've ever done that experiment you will have a um a dispersion of light and they will kind of clump up in like three or four you have places. interference interference pattern, right? right okay so what we can do is we can use that at a turn that dispersion to basically create uh, something called a quantum bit and a quantum bit can be anything from an electron to a photon so even you know even like very small um electrical um quanta right so the thing would that be sub subparticles yeah subparticles right. right so we can do it with that and what we can do is like if we have a ball and we put an arbitrary um pin on it what we can do is we can change the energy of that pin so it, it can move in, in 3D space. It's called a block sphere, right? So what we do is, what's happening at the moment is um, companies and uh, conglomerates and global, um, you know, like um, uh, countries, corporations. Co corporations and countries, what they're doing is they're capturing sensors of data um, from each other, so country to country about espionage, and they're, they're basically capture now, store it for later, all right? Because 
the way security works on the internet is it uses something called RSA. RSA is an algorithm um, made by three uh, scientists. And what it does is it takes a very large prime number, it takes two large prime numbers and it multiplies together and creates an even bigger number that you can share with your mate, right? And that person will have their own RSA key. Uh, they will know the RSA key as well. So what would happen is that person can then reverse engineer that. So when you say the key, does that that mean, would mean like I would maybe have one of the prime numbers? Yeah. You so then have. I know what the other one is. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. yeah. So you've got to... I've always kind of wondered yes. how does that work. So like um, if you look at like SSL certificates, they use an RSA um, right. Uh, algorithm, right? And what it does is it goes, I think it's about 318 um, digits. It uses really massive numbers. And same with blockchain, it uses these, it tries to break these complicated mathematical ciphers, right? So what you can do with a quantum computer using quantum processing is you can use mathematical techniques to sieve the 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 big number the stupendously big number and find its factors and it's not that difficult to do it right so if it's, take 77 if we take the two prime factors of 77 7 and 11 right we know that but if we only knew 7 uh, 77 is there a way for us to reverse engineer what the factors are there is a way you would use a combination of uh, Euclid's algorithm and um, that's something. The way we do it is you, um, if you take a random factor, right? Say so take eight, and then you um, square it, and then divide it by seventy-seven. There would be a point where there will be a remainder of one, right? Right, and then that is g g to the power of that number plus one is will fit will equal to 77 and then you can use euclid's al algorithm which is basically dividing the factors dividing 77 by say 44 and then you carry on going until you find 11 and then you go okay 11 now i've worked it out so so the thing is to do that with a standard computer that would take a very very long time yeah so that's your brute force brute force because you know I, I suppose that this is exactly what i was thinking well i would just start multiplying different numbers in my head yeah. until i get one prime number that yeah. comes up with another yeah. but it might take me yeah six months because yeah. i got to just keep yeah you've got to yeah. keep doing it right okay. but the thing is with uh, quantum computing what you're doing is you can have a bit in quantum computing is a qubit but it can be in up or down position right but it can be up or down at the same time yeah this i I've, i i kind of understand the theory but i find okay. it very so, difficult to conceptualize okay so, so let's come uh, this superposition is the thing in big bang theory that they go on about schrodinger's cat right yes so we have a um a box we're going to put some poison that will randomly release Pull your mic down a bit um, uh, randomly release at, 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 at a certain point of time and we're going to put a cat and we're going to put it in this box we're going to close it up close it up so as far as we are concerned the cat at that point in time can be both dead and alive at the same time right it's only when we open the box do we know if the cat is dead or alive when we do these kind of um, 
the, these kind of calculations with superposition, when we observe the qubit at a certain point in time, we will lose the other information, right? Because of the way quantum entanglement works. So take that initial thing about the double, double split experiment. The reason why you find light in very specific period um, at locations on the wall is because the photons have moved through the slit in a very particular way and it has entangled with the um, with the material on that um, on that um, wall right that is how that works right so by applying that we know that it, like we, we know in the double split experiment there's going to be four positions where light is going to exist we can use that at the quantum level and we can create a similar kind of transform and say right we are here we know that the bit will be in this position or this position this position this position and we can start predicting it so what we are able to do with like really big numbers is to find the period of you know i said about like um if we factorize the number you'll be there'll be a point where it will be um a multiple of of 77 plus one mm -hmm. remainder one if you kept doing that, right? So if you factorize eight to the power of a hundred, and you go from zero to a hundred, what? And you do that equation, you will find that it will start occurring maybe every ten, right? The reason for that is, well, eight to the power of zero is eight. Uh, sorry, eight to the power of zero is one. So it starts at one. So it's remainder one from the start. And it goes all the way and it just repeats itself. And you can take any in that, say you go um, eight to the power of zero and you go to eight to the power of 100. You can take any remainder and you will find a pattern emerging. It might be every five, it might be every three, it might be every 10. But effectively, you can, you have basically created a, a pattern that you can use a, um, a, a something called a Fourier transform. And you can use that to work out the factors, right? And when you do apply that with quantum or quantum computing, we're talking about hours, not millions of years. So what we've been able to do is use the um, power of the, uh, the quantum um, object to basically create a state of spin energy up or down and then using that, we are able to break these massive numbers. And that is what China and USA are already doing it. UK is kind of doing it. It's not as um, as mature in the UK as it is in other places. Is it, uh, This is why you're negative on Bitcoin. And yeah, sort yeah, of it yeah, encrypted yeah. It's, it's, it's going to go because I think what, what's going to happen now is that we have to come up with new security um systems right and the new security stuff is it's like the one of the ones that i recently read about is by using lattice mathematical lattices um like i don't i, I like maths but i draw the line of lattices like i genuinely genuinely <laughs> that's a like, quote no that, that that is that is the point where i go you know what i've my brain can't cope i'm done I'm happy to do with all these ridiculous numbers in astrophysics, but lattices. It so lattices like you take an arbitrary point somewhere in space, and then you can you have to like you will know that 
okay, to go from, um, say, seven up, and you got to you want to go to a point that's seven up and three, no, seven seven up and three across, but it's also possible to go seven up three across by going backwards and forwards and like in a zigzag line, right? So I know where my arbitrary point is. You, you and I will like basically I'll give you a way of calculating it. And that's how we will talk to each other. Right. So it's, it's, it's kind of a, a, a much more um, complicated version of the um, Enigma machine. The oh, World yeah. War II yeah. Thing, yeah. You know, you, completely. You, you, I had to have the machine. Yeah. And you have to have the yeah. machine. And then you can read my message. Yeah. Otherwise, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, that won't. But the thing with the Enigma machine is it, it, if you looked at like its settings, it only had three settings, right? The, the settings rotors there's only three of them so yeah but i mean you like if you if if you didn't have the machine yeah like you didn't even know what was in it so you kind no, of couldn't you could there were mathematical i mean turing did that right like alan turing's job was to take the enigma machine no but they stole it right no they didn't steal it what they did I was I thought they stole no, it from they, the they, submarine. No, they got, they didn't steal it from a submarine. They got a book from the submarine, oh, the, and then they were able to reverse engineer it. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah. So, like most cryptography, what what you're doing is you're trying to take normal words and just gobbledygook it, right? Like with plus signs and wingdings and all of that stuff. Yeah. That's what it what it should do, but the problem is that if you reverse engineer RSA like the security systems that we've built up over the last 50 years overnight gone so th so this is why you say it's there's it's shady because potentially then uh missile launches food production power grid etc and anyone who who understands it can just go in and start fiddling with yeah, the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And to, to be honest like if you look at like what happened with the power grid in the US someone hacked into it it's not like it, it's like it, it's pretty easy to hack into things nowadays, right? Like if you go to the there's a security convention in Las Vegas, um, they will book the hotel, and the the hotel guys will know that by that time the convention is over, all of their security problems are gone because the guys are the guys who've turned up for the convention have gone and hacked everything, right? So these these hotels actively encourage these conventions to happen in their place because like these hackers will literally go in hack hack the lift system when you press one you're taken to the top floor if you press a ground floor you just you, you, it'll stop you in between the yeah, floors yeah, kind yeah, of thing right yeah. like that that's how nuts it is yeah and the the i think what people the the doom and gloom stuff that you know the daily mail projects out and like the mass media is telling it's not going to happen for about another six. 13 years. This is the this is the sort of AI singularity all of that stuff. Yeah. Well, why do you say 13 16 years? Right. Is it so it, it's if you look at so breaking RSA, right? That that's like that is like when we break RSA, that is a new it is a completely different shift in the way security is going to be done and things are going to get a hell of a lot more complicated, right? IBM's uh, currently at about i think it's about 40 50 um qubits uh, if i'm i might be wrong on that don't quote me on that it, it is it is a relatively high number and we reckon we will need about uh, i think it's about a thousand qubits 
Now, if you take the, the Moore's law, which is doubling every 18, um, 18 months, it's about 16 years, gotcha. 13 years before we should catch up, right? And so this, this would be then at the point where a quantum computer is actually useful practically to yeah. say, here's a problem, yeah. give me an answer. And you're not going to use a quantum computer to do your word processing or you're not going to use it to, you're not even going to, you're probably going to use it for gaming at the most, right? Because it does mathematical computation at a much higher speed than a normal processor does. So a GPU, uh, graphics processor, it, it can compute very high numbers very quickly, but it still is not at the level where it can do like massive numbers. But the, these quantum computers, again, as far as I, I understand, very rudimentarily, mm. um, they've got to be completely isolated from everything. So yeah. they have to be close to absolute zero yeah. in a vacuum, yeah. blah, blah, blah. That's now. Right. That's now. So there would be a way to do it? Oh, with, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we will find a way because if you look at like, you know, the original size of a PC, it would fit in, it was like the size of like three, four rooms, right? And then we... Yeah, but it's, it's more... So, so I mean, you would effectively have like a little tiny zero vacuum yeah. chamber, whatever. I see. Yeah. Right, right. You miniaturize it. Gotcha. And then once you miniaturize it, you can apply, uh, you know, you can put it on a motherboard and not, off you yes. go. Yes, yes. But okay. you're probably going to use it for security as well because yeah. the really cool thing about quantum entanglement is once you've entangled your message, right, and you've sent it, no one in the middle can actually unentangle it and read it. Right. Only the person that it's being sent to would know what the states are. This is a really cool thing about um, really like what did what did uh, Einstein called it the spooky sinister behavior of quantum quantum spin. So if you have an object that's spinning up and another object that's spinning down, they're both spinning at the same time, right? However, if the if you observe that object through a arbitrary direction say you're doing it at 90 degrees up you and you see that this one of the objects is spinning spinning up at the same time you, anywhere else on in the universe you will know that the other object is spinning down yes right gotcha. so because of that because of that really quirky feature of quantum entanglement once you've entangled your message you send it across if anyone tries to, they can't un, they can't read it because they need to unentangle it to read it, and only the two recipient and the um, and the uh, the the sender will yeah. ever know. Yeah, gotcha. There's a book I, that I haven't read. Um, it's a it's a fiction book by Graham Hancock. You mm. know the fingerprints of the gods, called. To see if it's called Twisted or Entangled or mm. something like that. I think, I, I haven't mm. read it, but I think it's kind of yeah. referencing that, that there's two people and they're kind of yeah. quantumly entangled, yeah. living different lives, but what one does affects the other. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's, very, it's very interesting. I mean, it's, it's kind of on my limit of, of, of what I'm actually able to understand. You know, there's a, there's a, um, there's a, there's a quote that I, that I remember from listening to a podcast ages ago. I think it was the French prime minister was on a transatlantic um, boat crossing mm. with Einstein. And he his quote was that Einstein explained the theory of relativity to me every day until I was utterly convinced that he understood it. And I kind of find myself like often in that thing where yeah. I, I, 
I think I understand everything you just said. Yeah. But if you ask me, go home and and explain it to someone else. Yeah. I'll just butcher it. I, I think I I, I I I know that you understand yeah. it, but I I'm right on my edge of what okay. my brain. Okay. I, I think the know. way way I've I've kind of ex- I, I, because I've been posting a lot about this in uh, LinkedIn, um, is think of it like this: we're getting to the stage where our security systems that we've built for the last fifty odd years. It's coming to the end of its life. And we are coming to the end of the life because we have been able, our understanding of particle physics has got high enough that we can manipulate particles, right? By doing that and applying pretty interesting mathematics, we can break these these security protocols. So we need to come up with something new. So instead of using something, coming up with the lattice stuff, we could first start off by using the same principles that we know about the particles to encrypt our messages and then send them across. And then we can work towards building our infrastructure up to take into account lattices and other stuff, right? The problem is that when we look into the future with technology, like it's it's very difficult to understand how how it's going to be done because we just don't have the infrastructure but that's a problem for like 16 uh, 13 years i'll be i'll be in my mid mid 50s right that's a problem for me then and the people who are working at that point in time it's not a problem for someone who is on an iPhone or a or an Android phone, worrying about if their thing, their credit card's going to get nicked. Because by the time we get there, we're going to have better security systems that most governments will not be able to hack. And that is the fear. Like if you look at what the governments are doing with internet um, security, and you know, telling like Priti Patel a couple of years ago, was like, yeah, we're going to take away um, secure um, um, S- what is it SSL and TLS away from. Um, trunk communications because we want it for the security of our um, country. It had nothing to do with security. It's it's a way for you know GCHQ and you know the the corporate espionage people to be able to use underhanded techniques to get information about other companies. Back to the government that we should never trust. Oh no! Like listen, like I I, I think you know. Uh, I, I think if I was going to vote for anyone, it would have been Corbyn because simply because the media hated him. And I knew, okay, this guy has hit something. He's hit you, gold. You judge a man by his enemies. Yeah. It's like, okay, if all of the people who are in who who control the media turned around and went, we don't like this guy. It's like, okay, okay, Corbyn's I mean, got- it's, it's, I don't know what your feelings are on him, but it's the same with Trump. He's universally attacked by everybody because... He's someone who says, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to play the game. Whether you like his game or not, he's like, I'm going to go in and play my game. Yeah. My, my opinion I, I, with Trump is slightly different, right? Because I think he, Trump's kind of politics lends towards fascism very easily. And I think we, you know, my granddad fought in World War II. So for me, like somewhat a demagogue like Trump reminds me too much about Hitler and Mussolini and I'm like it's very easy for rhetoric to be turned into something malicious whereas with Corbyn there was no real oh, like, for sure. there was yeah, no real yeah. rhetoric and 
he didn't really say anything. He didn't like he he wasn't like you know he wasn't a demagogue. I and mean, the JFK Jr. seems like a kind of a potentially a good um, option for the next. I'm, I'm worried about, and I think U.S. politics is it's, oh, it's, a, it's going to hell. Yeah, I mean, this is a whole another yeah. debate. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a yeah, it's yeah, just spaghetti. Yeah, it's spaghetti. That's been I mean, even, on the even floor. here, like it's just you know, uh, you know, the a lot of people have asked me, oh, as an Indian, you must be really proud of Rishi Sunak. I'm like, yes and no, right? Like, yes, because it, it, you know, I can turn around and tell my daughter, look, we've had an Indian person like you, born in this country of Indian descent, get to the top of the country, which means there is nothing that's going to stop you from getting there. However. If you look at where he was raised, he was he was raised in Winchester. He went to Oxford, um, and he is, you know, for lack of a better term, he's he's the Indian guy like Nehru and Gandhi. There, who, there, there is a better term. I know. I'm not going to use token. it. No, uh, there's a better term than that. <laughs> What's uh, the better coconut. Term? All right. But I'm not going to use yeah. that because I think that's unfair, right? No, um, but he's. I mean, to me, he's a he's, he's yeah, a token, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I just I just watched the other day. I yeah. can't even remember what I was looking at, but something clip came up on South Park, yeah. which I used to watch, and then yeah. I had stopped watching. And um, it's Cartman saying to they've got a black friend, yeah. saying, um, "Go and get a bass guitar from your basement." And he's like, well, "We haven't got a bass guitar." And he's like token you're black of course you've got a bass guitar and then he and then he finds one but but his name is token yeah and you know i love the way that south park it it, it just lays it so raw yeah and to me rishi sunak is that yeah. he's like listen there's a lot of asians in britain there's a lot of asians in europe we need a token right chuck this geezer in. Yeah, yeah he's he came up through the same system yeah. public schools he's married to the, the daughter of a billionaire yeah. tech company he's a globalist Whack him in, give him a few years, we'll whack him out and yeah. get someone else in. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's the same with, it same with Thatcher as well, right? Like, Thatcher, Thatcher, like, you know, like, apart from the Falklands, the rest of her her actions, it clearly was to privatize and get, give those kind of private entities to her to her uh, donors, right? And I think that's that's like, like the the whole peerage thing recently, like for me, it's like no, we don't need peer, peers anymore. Yeah, we don't need lords. Like if you want a lord, you want a higher chamber, we get to elect them. You guys don't have the right to randomly nominate people and stuff um, uh, stuff the seats with people who are going to vote for you. It's like but that's nope. the that's the system, isn't it? Yeah, but we can change the system. We right? can. I mean, hopefully, you know, by doing things like this, by yeah. having conversations, yeah, yeah. recording them, yeah. putting them out there, and you know, yeah, yeah. encouraging people to think and to to ask questions and to to look for alternative answers to the ones yeah. that they're that they're spoon fed, and we'll save the Falklands for another day. Yeah, because the Falklands is the gateway to the Antarctica on the oh on yeah that, on that yeah. bottom side. So uh, yeah, let's 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 wrap it so we can go to jujitsu, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. We got we got lunch class booked at uh, Resistance with Ibi, so we're going to both head off over there now. So thank you very much again for coming in. It was a really thank you very much. Fantastic conversation. Thank you very again. much. It was and, awesome. Uh, yeah, you're welcome to come back anytime. We maybe will do another yeah. one in a few months. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. We can, we can talk about some more stuff. So um, thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed this one. Hopefully you didn't get lost along the way. Um, hopefully you are asking more questions even if it's which uh, variety of milk i should be drinking or whether i should be 
just Whatever. not oat going milk. out in the sun or not no going oat out in milk. the sun. Yeah, no oat <laughs> milk. But uh, yeah, ask ask some questions. Ask some difficult questions. Um, follow the podcast. We're on uh, Instagram is the best place to follow. So at White Basement Pod on Instagram, um, YouTube. Some episodes go up on Rumble. The ones that can't go on YouTube, but this will go on YouTube. Um, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, all the places that you listen. Uh, try and post a lot of stuff to Facebook now so all the Instagram posts get shared to Facebook so you can go there and um, send a friend request to me. Uh, it's Jason Mo, M-O, on, uh, on Facebook, but Instagram's the best, at White Basement Pod. Um, Krish, what's your, what are your socials? Uh, Twitter is Krishnan2784. Krishnan2784. And say, same in Instagram as well. On Insta, so I'll uh, put those in the show notes. And um, uh, li- um, I do a lot of like the quantum stuff on uh, LinkedIn, and that's uh, Krishnan Nath. Krishnan Nath. Yeah. So I'll put, I'll put links for all of those. So if you want to uh, speak to someone more intelligent than me, <laughs> follow Krish. <laughs> you can have more sensible conversations and you can actually learn some, uh, some mechanical, mathematical science. And we'll catch you next time.